Hello, hello. Welcome to the Wealthy and Healthy podcast. My name is Becky Bad, and I am your host for today's episode. Before we get into it, though, I have something super exciting that I wanted to share with you guys. It is my birthday month, therefore I am turning 30. Oh my goodness, time just flies. Time absolutely flies. But in order to celebrate my birthday month, I am doing some crazy big birthday promotions and specials. So if you head over to my Instagram at Hibbard. And go to the link in my bio, you will see that I've got my money magnetism program. I've also got my getting unstuck in your network marketing business program as well. And for this month only, I am going to be offering those programs at 30% off. And I have never, ever done this before. And I'm so freaking excited. I I can honestly say that these programs won't be this um, discounted. Again, it's only going to happen for this month only in celebration of my birthday. Therefore, if you click on either of those programs and head to the website at the checkout, make sure you enter the code birthday, okay, birthday, and then that will get you your 30% off. This is 30% off pay in full and also on the payment plans, okay? We love a good payment plan. There is no shame. In buying it now and paying it off over time. The payment plans have truly helped me throughout the times in my life where I've struggled the most. So I like to make sure the payment plans are as affordable as possible because I want to help as many women as I can. So make sure that you use the code birthday at checkout. There's also going to be some exclusive discounts when it comes to coaching and doing one-on-one work with me. So keep an eye out on my Instagram at Beckybard over on um, my stories. That's where I'll be posting everything. But right now, if you want to go tap in and get your hands on my money magnetism program or my getting unstuck program, then go ahead and go to the link in my bio. Welcome to today's episode. I'm really excited for today's episode. It's going to be super vulnerable. I turn 30 tomorrow and I've been reflecting on the last 30 years of my existence and the journey and the growth and the evolution and everything that I've just experienced throughout life. And I haven't really spoken a whole heap on the depths of my life and the challenges and all the things that I've gone through. And sure, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, you've probably heard a little bit, you've seen a little bit. But if you also follow me on Instagram, you probably see that, you know, I drive a luxury car and I live in a waterfront apartment and I make a lot of money and life looks good. But I really want to share that it hasn't always been like this. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a chance that you're probably going through it right now. And you're probably going through some trials and some tribulations. And, and maybe you're, you're telling yourself that this always happens and life is hard. Or maybe you've had two bad things happen to you so far. And, you know, that saying of, oh, bad things happen in threes and you're waiting for the third. And so I just wanted to share in today's episode my journey and everything that I've gone through, because there's been a lot of monumental things that have happened to me, a lot of trauma, a lot of life has happened. 
and I know that you know I, I'm turning 30 so I'm not I'm not considered old but I've gone through a lot where it's really shaped my maturity and it's given me really interesting perspectives on life um, and not many people my age have been through what I've been through. So the purpose of this episode today is just to be vulnerable and, and show you that you can create good out of the bad. You can create beautiful out of the ugly. And life, life doesn't happen to you. Like it's happening for you. And with every single trauma, every single challenge, everything that I've been through, I've always looked for the lesson. Don't get me wrong that I, I give myself time and space to cry, to be depressed, <laughs> to, to whinge to my friends and all of the things. But then at some point I'm like, okay, there's got to be a lesson here. I can't just be going through this just to be going through this. So I really want to deep dive over the last, you know, 30 years and bring my story to life as the whole story, not just, oh, I was bankrupt and not just I was kicked out of home at 16, but just to really give it to you as a whole because my story shapes who I am and where I am in life and and what I've been able to create. And as humans, your story makes you relatable. I understand and I coach women with this, but when you're vulnerable, it takes a whole new level of courage. And in vulnerability, that's where people find you. That's where people go, hey, you know, she's not on a pedestal. She's like me or, hey, she gets it. Or, hey, I feel like she's a safe place and I can share what's going on in my world with her because she's going to understand it. There's no hierarchy. And so that's what I'm here to do today. I'm here to just be super vulnerable. So if you get something from this, please let me know. You know, send me a message on, on Instagram at Beck Hibbard. Repost this, tag me so I can repost your tag. And because I'm going to be vulnerable. <laughs> and, you know, being vulnerable is scary. Sharing your story is scary. There's a part of me that's like, oh gosh, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? What if they have different opinions and I get judged? But heck, the truth is, you're always going to get judged about something. So you might as well just do it your way. Like, let them judge. So let's start my story from the beginning. So I grew up in a family. I'm one of eight kids. I'm the second oldest out of the family. I have six brothers and a younger sister. There are five of my siblings to my dad. And then I have three half siblings to my stepdad. But we don't, in our family, we don't see people as halves or quarters or whatever BS people do. If you're family, you're family, you know, and even I've got friends that I consider to be family. So growing up, I grew up with my mum and my dad. Uh, and at the age of 11, my mum and my dad had a really, really toxic relationship, a really toxic marriage, to be honest. Growing up, my mum went to church and my mum was a stay at home mum looking after all of the kids. And my dad, he was the provider for our family. So he was working um, here in the trucking company and he was working really long hours, you know, six days a week. He would have Sundays off and we would go to church on Sunday and he would be working on his truck all day from the morning till the nighttime. And so, you know, as a man, he was the provider and I, I felt like I didn't really see him much growing up as a child. And, you know, sometimes he would go to the pub to let off steam and he would come home drunk and there would just be fights. My mom and my dad would fight and 
it, I just remember from such a young age, I would be sitting in my bed and it was like clockwork. I would be sitting in my bed and my mom would be at one end of the hallway and my dad would be at the other and there was screaming and there was fighting and sometimes it got physical between the both of them. And it just got to a point. I remember one night in specific, like in absolute specific, they were fighting over something and my dad lunged like at my mom and I got out of bed and I stepped between them and I pushed my dad off my mom. And that was the last time that my dad lived with us. Now, full disclosure, I, I love my dad and he's honestly been the most incredible role model for me. So the, this is not like a, a judgmental thing or anything. And I'll, I'll share the journey with my dad as well on the story and um, how we mended our relationship. But at, at that night he left and he, him and my mom decided they were going to get a divorce. And when my mom told me that they were getting a divorce, I was 11 at the time. And I literally said to my mom, I'm like, great, I'm happy. I'm happy. Like what kid says to their parents when they're getting divorced, like, yay, that's a good thing. That's how toxic their relationship was. It just, it was just like this toxic kind of like twin flame energy, you know? And so my mom and my dad got divorced from such a really young age. And then my mom started seeing a guy, he was um, one of the pastors at the church we went to. And he was a very manipulative man to say the least. He was very manipulative. He was very physically abusive and emotionally abusive. He was in my life from about 11. And then I got kicked out of home when I was 16 years old. So I endured him and my, my brothers endured him for five years uh, to the point. And, and this man, he cut all contact with my dad. So at that point, we were seeing my dad every fortnight. And then this man, he was very narcissistic and he started to get into our heads. So when we would be planning on seeing our dad for the weekend, my stepdad would be like, oh, but we're going to go to the movies and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to have fun. And and then, of course, as kids, you want to stay. And so we stayed and then eventually he stopped the contact, you know, with our real dad. And the abuse just got so full on. It got so full on. The punishments were insane. He was a very religious person. So we could, our social life was church only. It was school and it was church. Uh, I wasn't allowed to talk to boys growing up. I wasn't allowed to have any guys that were my friends. And so if anything was to happen, you know, he would punish us. It was emotional abuse. A lot of it, there were times where, as you know, a teenager, I would have to sleep on the floor in the lounge room because he would take away all privileges, what he would call them, which were, you know, sleeping in a bed. There were times where my punishments were that, you know, I couldn't shave my legs for like weeks on end because he deemed that as a privilege uh, or you couldn't have a hot shower. He would be physically abusive. And so at the age of 15, there was so much happening in my home life that I couldn't focus on my school. My anxiety was at an all-time high and I was severely depressed. And the thought of continuing my schooling and, and trying to get good grades just made me curl up into a ball to the point of I had my first suicide attempt at 15. Um, and obviously I, I failed and, you know, my mum and my stepdad found me. But I was not coping. I was not coping at all. 
And I dropped out of school at 15 and I decided to study beauty therapy. They said, you can drop out of school, but you have to have some sort of education and a job. So I went to TAFE um, full time. For those of you that are in Australia, it's kind of like, you know what TAFE is. If you're not, it's like a bit of a college. And so I studied beauty therapy full time and I got a job working at a sandwich shop at nighttime. And I was doing that. And then, you know, working with people and starting to socialize, I started to put two and two together that this man was not, you know, doing things right by us and he was abusive. And so I started to stand up to him. And when I would stand up to him, he he hated it. He absolutely hated it. And it got to the point where he eventually kicked me out at home, out of home at 16. And when I was 16, he he told me he was like okay you need to you need to leave you need to pack your stuff and you need to get out and I remember in specifics he gave me three days to find a new place to leave he was like right you need to live somewhere else and I just remember back then Facebook wasn't a thing and so for three days I was searching the newspaper ads for a room to rent and I was searching and I was searching and I was calling places and And people weren't answering and I kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. And it was coming down to the third day and there was a a few hours left. And he said to me, my stepdad said to me, he's like, listen, you've got a few hours, like pack your shit. And in my head, I had nowhere prepared to go when I knew that there was no empathy. I knew there was no sympathy on his behalf and I had to leave. And and in my head, I was like, okay, I don't have a place to to go. What park am I going to sleep in? what park am I going to sleep in what shelter am I going to have how am I going to shower you know back then there wasn't really 24 7 gyms and so I was like how am I going to shower how am I going to get to work how am I going to pay for my study my tuition because I was paying for all of that by myself and being 16 you know I didn't have a car I didn't have anything like that I was making like 200 300 a week from my nighttime job and at the very last moment at the very last moment he um he literally, sorry, I've got my notifications. <laughs> I just turned them off. I don't know if you can hear that, but I just got a notification and I just turned it off so it doesn't distract me from my story. Okay, back to it. So the very last moment of the very last day, he he was kicking me out and I received a call from one of the places that I had left like 10 voice messages on. And they said, hey, we were away camping. Like, do you want to come look at this room? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, do I want to come look at this room? So I show up to this share house and there's four other adults that live there. And I look at the room and the room is really small. There was one single bed in it, a desk and a TV. And I didn't even have enough money to cover the bond because you had to pay bond as well. And my stepdad gave me $100 to cover the rest of the bond that I was short. And he said, here's your stuff. It was all in garbage bags. And he said, see you later. And so from the age of 16, you know, I was living on my own. I didn't have any, you know, parental supervision. I didn't have any role models. But in that house, I actually met my best friend. At the time, she was 20. She just moved from New Zealand. And she was kind of like my big sister. She took me under her wing and she helped me and, and she had a car and she would, she would just be there for me and be that support person. And so at 16, you know, I'm living in this share house. I'm still working. I'm still doing my beauty therapy. But at the time back then, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was paying for my tuition. I was renting a room. And there were days where I couldn't afford to eat. There were days where I just, I couldn't eat. Or there, and, and 
there were days when maybe all I could afford was a $2.20 Kit Kat from the vending machine at TAFE. And so I become really, really sick. I lost like 20 kilos and I got admitted into hospital and I had glandular fever and it was so bad that I had no white blood cells. And I got put in, um, in this room in an isolation ward where it was like you had to isolate from everyone because if I got another sickness, I would have literally died. I had no immune system to fight it. I'd lost all this weight. I was super skinny. I was in hospital for three weeks. And whenever I had friends come and visit me, they had to like full on get a hazmat suit on and and mask up and everything like that. And I remember my older brother. So my older brother had been kicked out of home at 14. um, But at the point when he was kicked out, he was our, our dad was still around. So my older brother went and lived with our dad. But because our stepdad had put a wedge between, you know, our dad and us, we weren't able to speak to him. So it had been a few years, you know, since speaking to my dad and my older brother called me and he was like, hey, how are you? Like, what are you doing? And I told him that I was in hospital and I told him that I was really, really sick. And he said, hey, can I, can I call dad? Can I tell dad? And I was embarrassed. You know, I was embarrassed. I hadn't spoken to my dad in years. I thought that he would probably have a grudge on me and um, he would be upset that, you know, we hadn't spoken to him for years and he wouldn't want to hear from me. And I said to my brother, I said, like, sure, you can tell him where I'm at, but I don't know if he'll, if he'll be responsive or if he'll, you know, want to see me after all this time. So I hung up the phone and I remember I fell asleep and a few hours later I woke up and my dad was sitting at the end of my bed like crying, crying and bawling and he, he had tears and he was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, how did you get here? I'm so sorry that I wasn't around. I wasn't able to protect you when I wasn't here, you know, to provide for you and all of that stuff. And so that's when my dad came back into my life and, and you know, I didn't have a mom around. So my dad at that point then stepped into the the female figure for me. He was my dad, but he was also someone that, you know, helped me. He talked about safe sex and, um, you know, drinking and drugs. And he was that, he was that female figure and periods and all of those things. He became that for me, which really strengthened our bonds together, which was, which was absolutely amazing. So at that point it was just, you know, my dad and me, and occasionally I would see my older brother and there was this whole side of my family that I I was disconnected from being kicked out of home. And and my stepdad moved my family away into the middle of nowhere, into the bush in in Australia. And it was just like, I felt like the only child. And so I felt, you know, a bit isolated and I didn't really have a whole heap of of family or support around me. And then I met my, who's now my ex-husband, but I met him when I was 16. And being so young and not having really stability or a whole heap of support in my life, I, I clung on to him. And we were together for nine years. Uh, we got married for 11 months. And throughout that journey, it was a really you know, toxic relationship. We were both too young to be in something so serious. I lived with him. And then, um, you know, I moved out and we were fighting and it was just toxic. There was a lot of cheating. There was a lot of lying. And I didn't have the confidence to leave. You know, I didn't have the confidence to find better because I thought that this is it. 
you know, people abandoned me. I had this big abandonment. I was like, people abandoned me and I don't want this guy to abandon me. So it doesn't matter what happens. I'm just going to stick around and things are going to get better and he's going to change. And, you know, he promised me he's going to do this. So he's going to do this, but, you know, he just didn't change. And so we did all of the traditional things, you know, we did the traditional things and I hoped that it would be enough. And we got married and we brought a house and we had a baby And by the age of 26, I was a single mom. I had lost everything after the marriage failed. We went through divorce and I couldn't afford to pay for the debt that we had accumulated in property and cars and bikes and personal loans. And I had to file for bankruptcy. So at 26 years old, you know, I'm a single mom who's been married, who's been divorced and who's been bankrupt. And I decided that was it. I was going to take charge of my life when I was going to rebuild it. And I was no longer going to be the victim. I was no longer going to be the one, the girl that was wounded, who was the poor me, who was abandoned. So I decided in 2019 to start afresh and I moved to the Gold Coast. And at that point, my, my stepdad left my mom and all of my other siblings and my brothers. And so we were all able to reconnect and rebuild our relationship, which was amazing. And we were able to rebuild it right before I had my daughter Z. And so she's been able to grow up with uncles and with, you know, her Didi, which is her grandma in her life. And we've been able to rebuild that amazing relationship and forgive and move on, which is awesome and incredible. But in 2019, you know, I decided that, I had my family back, but it was time to get myself back. It was time to to put myself forward, to put myself first. And at that point in my life, you know, I was, I, sorry, it was 2018, 2018, holy moly. Yeah. 2018 was when I become divorced. And then 2019 was when I decided to move away. So let's go to 2019, 2019. I decided that I'm going to move away and I'm going to start afresh. And I moved to the Gold Coast. And I've got my first rental for the first time by myself. I'd never lived, you know, by myself per se from being 16. And I was starting out. I had no money. My bank accounts kind of got frozen and the money got taken. When you go bankrupt, they take everything. My car was repossessed and my house was repossessed. So it was all starting afresh. I decided that I didn't want to work a nine to five because I didn't want to miss out on time with my daughter. So I quit the nine to five life and I got on government support and I started to build a little business in the network marketing industry. And, you know, business, it takes time. It takes time to build. It takes time to build the trust, the credibility. And so you've got to be consistent at it. And there were times where I did not have enough money for, you know, my rent. And I, I, I didn't know how I was going to make it through, but I just made it through. And there were times throughout, you know, that, that period where I didn't even have any money to buy food. You know, my daughter and I were eating expired pasta from the pantry, like just to get us through until more money hit my bank account. And I felt like an embarrassment. I felt like a failure. You know, my daughter didn't, it wasn't her choice to be birthed into this world and to to be birthed with a mom that was struggling financially, emotionally and all of the things and and someone that had a lot of (laughs) depression and anxiety and was going through a lot. Like that wasn't my daughter's choice. And so I always looked at my daughter and I was like, I've got to do better for you. 
like I've got to do better for you in life I've got to give you more you can't you can't live this life this isn't fair I don't want you to grow up and see me struggling I don't want to create more trauma for you because I know what it's like to have trauma and to try and work through that and it's freaking hard it is hard to go through and heal those scars so I decided to start to be better so I worked on my business and at that stage in my life, I, I was single and I was partying and I was drinking and I was taking, you know, drugs on the weekends, recreational party drugs and everything like that. And in 2019, at the end of 2019, I went on a work conference trip to Vegas and I'd been the year before and it was a whole heap of fun. And then this year I decided to go back for the same conference for a network marketing event to Vegas. And on the first night of our Vegas trip, I was there with a girlfriend. We were both attending this event. And on the first night, we were out drinking with friends at a nightclub. And our friends left it, and it was just me and my friend. And so we were in a nightclub, and we were dancing and having fun. And, you know, I could hold my alcohol quite well back then, and we hadn't drunk a whole heap. And so these men come up to us, and they said, hey, can we buy you a shot at the bar? And we were like, yeah, amazing. We're both single. Let's do it. So we went to the bar and as these shots were getting poured, these men in hindsight, now it makes sense, but these men kind of kept directing our attention to them. You know, they would be talking to us. They would be like, oh, look over here. And at the time I didn't think anything of it. So we took our shots and almost instantly my girlfriend said to me, hey, I I don't feel good. Something, I I just feel a bit off. And so I said, right, we'll go to the toilet and, and, you know, we'll, we'll sit on the toilet and just like wait a few minutes you might just be drunk or something. So we go to the the toilet and we walk into a stall and she sits on the, on the toilet to wee and she, you know, pulls down her skirt. And I swear within a minute, she could not stand back up. And she was sitting on this toilet and she was trying to stand up, but she was like falling forward. And I grab her and she's I'm holding her while trying to help her put her skirt on and she's suddenly becoming incoherent and I knew that something was happening I was like something's not right here something is not right so I help her put her skirt on and she stumbles out of the stall and all the other women in the toilet are looking at us like what is going on and I'm apologizing because my friend's sloppy and running into people and I just knew something was off. So I said to her, like, right, wash your, wash your hands. I helped her wash her hands. And I said, we'll, we'll leave. We'll, we'll get out of here. So we walk out of the toilet and standing at the toilet entrance are these guys that brought us the shots. They were waiting for us. And I said, nah, uh, we're, we've, been, we've been drunk. Something's happening. Something's happening. And at that point, I can feel myself going in and out of consciousness. You know, things are blacking out. I'm stumbling. So we walk out of the toilet and these men start following us. And I walk up to security at this nightclub in in Vegas. And I said to them, hey, we need to get out of here. Something's not right. Can you help us get out? And the security said, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Follow us. So we follow security to this elevator. And I thought the security guards were going to get in with us and and take us down to find a taxi. No, they just opened the elevator and they said, in you hop. And we hopped in the elevator and these men hopped in with us. And they shot us down to a car park. And these men had driven to this nightclub. And I was so in and out of it. I followed these men with my friend to their car and got in their car. Now, my girlfriend, she is completely out of it. She's in the front seat next to the driver. She's like bent over and I'm in the back seat. And 
I, this man sat right next to me. And it's funny because still to this day, I have no idea what they look like. I don't know what the car is. I just remember bits and pieces of that night. And so I get in the backseat of the car and they start driving. They said, where are we staying? And I told them the hotel and they start driving in the opposite direction on the highway. And in that moment, I start panicking and I know something's not right. And I was seeing a guy back here on the Gold Coast. Um, it was just something casual. And I messaged him because he knew I was going to Vegas. And the craziest thing is my phone was completely like off. Like Wi-Fi was switched off. Cellular, cellular was switched off. Like I was a broke single mom back then. I didn't want any internet, international charging, you know, roaming fees. So everything was switched off, right? And I messaged this guy and I just said to him, I need help. And I don't know how it happened, but he called my phone and it, the call went through, which is crazy. I didn't, you know, talk about divine interception and angels and all of that stuff. And the call went through and this guy, I had a photo of him as the caller ID. So as he was calling through, his photo popped up and he was quite a big, a, you know, a big man. He had a full suit of body tattoos and he, he looked dangerous. He wasn't, but he looked kind of dangerous. And so as I pick up the phone, the man that's sitting in the back seat next to me sees the photo pop up and he starts to, you know, get worried like, oh, she's got a boyfriend. And I pick up the phone and I just, I was in and out of consciousness. And I just remember this guy that I was seeing, he said to me, get out of the car, get out of the car. As soon as they stop, run, run, run. And I said to him, I remember saying to him, I can't, my friend, she's in the front and she can't move. I can't leave her. And so at that point, the man next to me, he could hear that I was starting to panic and the guy on the phone was trying to talk me through on how we could escape. And so the man next to me, you know, said to me, he's like, just tell him we're going to get you back to the hotel. You're going to be safe. Just tell him we're going to get you back to the hotel. So I stay on the phone to, to this guy back in um, Australia here and we get back to the hotel. I don't remember getting to the room. I just remember opening the door, helping my friend in. And at that point, these men hadn't followed us. They just dropped us at the front and they left. And I remember getting into the room and she just face planted the floor, my friend, she was gone. And I got on the bed and then I blacked out. And the next day I woke up and I was on the, on the bed, on my back, and I had vomited in my sleep. And there was vomit all over my face, all, all over my hair. And I don't know how I didn't die. I don't know how I didn't choke on my vomit in my sleep. I don't know how I didn't die. But let me tell you, that moment needed to happen. That moment in my life had to happen exactly as it did because I was going down a very bad path of self-destruction. I was drinking to escape my reality, to create a, a new fake sense of courage and all of the BS. I was taking, you know, party drugs to feel some sort of, you know, euphoric high, to feel something different. And I was going down a path of self-destruction. I wasn't working my business like I should have been. I wasn't, you know, being the best mom that I could. Instead, I was living for every fortnight when I didn't have my daughter so I could get out and, and get drunk and sleep with a whole heap of people and all of that stuff. And it was just a really negative future that, I could see was happening. And if I didn't have that moment in time where I faced death, then I wouldn't have quit drinking. Now I've been sober now. I haven't had any alcohol for two years tomorrow because I went sober on my 30th birthday, not long after that, uh, that event in my life. And if that event didn't happen, then I wouldn't have taken things seriously. From that event, uh, it was like, a whole sliding doors moment. I was like, this is my life. 
this, what am I doing? And it was like this wake up call. What am I doing in my life? Why am I doing this? Why am I self-destructing? You know, life is shitty already. I'm already broke. I'm already bankrupt. I'm already single. Like, why am I doing this? I have an opportunity to rebuild an incredible, beautiful life. And instead I'm going down this self-destruction. I'm creating a false sense of reality. I'm looking for love outside of myself. I'm looking for all of these things. I'm trying to get highs and joy and, and, and a false sense of security. Why am I doing this? And so that moment completely sobered me up, not just with the alcohol and all aspects of my life. That moment was the catalyst of me going, you know what? I am going to rebuilding that series and I'm going all in. So over the last, you know, three years, it's now 2022 when this kind of happened at the end of 2019. So over the last three to four years, I went all in. I, I got rid of the alcohol. And when you get rid of alcohol, you get rid of, you know, those party friends. We all have them, right? The friends that you're going to hear from when it's a Friday night or Saturday night, the friends that live for the weekends, I got rid of them. And I, instead of partying, instead of drinking, instead of, you know, just sleeping with whoever, I was like, I'm going to get serious. I invested my time into building a business. I invested my time into developing myself. I invested my time into learning about sales. I invested my extra money into a life coach. I invested my extra money into books and and programs and masterminds and all of the things. And I became very intentional. You know, I no longer was just sleeping with whoever and, and all of that stuff. And instead I was dating with intention. I was like, who do I want to, you know, allow into my life and, and what sort of energy are they putting out? Who am I inviting in? And I've become very intentional with my life. And I decided that my existence was not going to be in vain. And I just wasn't going to be another soul that left this earth that no one knew about, right? I wanted to create, and I still want to create a huge impact beyond me so that when I leave, my name lives on. I'm able to contribute to this world, to contribute to society in ways that, you know, not many people do. And it's all about intentionality. So I went all in. I went all in on my business, on my money, on my finances and being the best possible version I could ever be and being the best possible version for my daughter. You know, I'm raising a little girl and I want her to look up to me and I want her to not pedestal me in any way, but I want to show her that this life is hers for the taking and she can have and do anything in, in this lifetime. And where, whatever happens to her, that's not her future, right? Whatever happens to you in life, that doesn't mean that that's your destiny. That just means that you get to decide whether you're going to use that for inspiration and ammo to be better or whether you're going to use that for your own self-destruction. That's all that this is in life. You know, life is going to give you opportunities to grow and it's up to you. You can either run and hide from it and you can be negative or you can go, hey, I'm going to use this and I'm going to grow and I'm going to become that person that's more powerful than this event. And so that's what I did. And within, you know, three to four years, I got out of my bankruptcy. I have businesses now. I make multiple six figures. I, I live an abundant lifestyle. I don't say no to things or no to my daughter because I'm forced to say no to them because of my bank account. I say no because I just don't want to do them. And yeah, I'm whilst I'm not in a beautiful, loving relationship or marriage, I have a, an incredible relationship with myself. And, and I am worthy because I am. I am enough because I am. And so I just wanted to share this story with you. And, and I don't know where this is going to lead or who this is going to help, but I just hope that you take inspiration. 
And I want you to know that your current situation right now in life is not your final destination. Where you are in this moment, that doesn't mean you're going to be here forever. And if you're going through it, I get it. Trust me, I get it. I I totally, totally understand. If you've listened to a few of my episodes back, you would you would know that I was going through it as well recently with the breakup and all of these things. But where you're at right now, that's shaping you to be a better version, to be a stronger version, to be more vulnerable, to be more courageous, to be more powerful. So just hang in there. Hang in there because I promise you that it's going to make for a great story one day. Where you're at is going to make for a great story. And with everything in life, just look for the lessons. Look for the things. What is it going to teach you? What do you need to learn in this moment? Instead of being negative and instead of feeling like, you know, woe is me, can you just be like, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that this is happening for me and not to me. I'm so grateful that this situation, it's not my final destination and it's going to make for a really good story one day. I'm going to be able to tell my kids and I'm going to be able to maybe write a book or do a podcast or maybe just tell a friend. Maybe you're not as extroverted and maybe it's just going to help you help someone in a time of need because you've been there because you can get on that same level and you can say, hey, I was there and this is where I'm at. So I hope today's episode has shined a light on my journey and just given you permission to lean into your vulnerability, to share your story, to share your existence and to own where you're at without fear. If this has impacted you, please let me know. Send me a message, like I said. Post it if you want to on Instagram. Leave a review. Do all of those things if you feel called to. If you don't, it's totally fine. But I I just, I cannot wait for the next 30 years of my life I'm sure it's going to be full of challenges and I'm sure it's going to be a big journey. But at the end of the day, life is an evolution of growth. It's not about getting from A to Z. It's not about, oh, one day when I have the money, I'm going to be happy. Or when I, when I be successful, then I'll have it all. No, it's not about that. It's about the challenges and what you learn through them. It's about the person that you become through those moments of trauma, through those moments of pain, that's the journey. That's where the success is. It's, it's all in that. That's where you find your happiness because it, it's not getting the thing that makes you happy. It's not getting the success or having the business that makes you feel successful. You get to decide today that you are successful. You get to decide today that you are enough. You get to decide today that you are powerful enough. You don't need to wait for those things to come. I promise you, if you decide today, those things will come quicker than rather than you waiting. If you wait, they'll never come. So decide today and be vulnerable and show up in this world with courage. You got this and I'm freaking cheering here. I'm cheering you on. I'm here and I want to support you. So thank you as always for listening. Thank you for tapping in. And until the next episode, have an epic day, have an epic night, wherever you are. See you later.